Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. We start off this episode with our monthly roundup of prison disturbances, as compiled by Perilous Chronicle. A spokesperson for High Desert State Prison in Indian Springs, Nevada, has confirmed an attack on guards occurred on August 31st. This attack comes after a series of incidents including a riot and several instances of misconduct by guards within the facility over the past year. The spokesperson did not confirm anything else about the attack other than that it occurred. On September 4th, two prisoners escaped from the Marsh Creek Detention Facility in Clayton, California. One prisoner was recaptured at a hotel in Vallejo, California on the morning of September 8th. The other prisoner was recaptured on Thursday, September 29th during a traffic stop in Pleasant Hill, California. No further details about the escape have been released. On Sunday, September 4th, three prisoners escaped from the Arkansas Juvenile Assessment and Treatment Center, the AJATC, in Alexander, Arkansas. Allegedly, the three prisoners assaulted a guard in the facility and escaped by crawling under a fence. They were all recaptured in a wooded area near the facility the next morning, Monday, September 5th. On the morning of Monday, September 5th, a person detained escaped from Brown County Jail in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Allegedly, he escaped through a loading dock at the facility. Another prisoner has been charged with conspiracy to commit harboring or aiding a felon. Allegedly, this person helped the escape by transporting the other prisoner in a cart into an unsecured area of the kitchen. The prisoner who escaped was recaptured in the evening of September 6th. On September 16th, one prisoner escaped from the LaForge Parish Correctional Complex in LaForge Parish, Louisiana. Two other prisoners detained in the complex have been charged with assisting in the escape. The prisoner who escaped allegedly squeezed through a small drainage opening in the facility. No details have been released about how the others assisted. The prisoner was recaptured the next day on September 17th in a hotel in Houma, Louisiana. On Saturday, September 17th, two persons detained at the Alex City Community-Based Facility and Community Work Center in Alex City, Alabama, escaped. One prisoner was recaptured the evening of the escape. The other prisoner was recaptured on Monday, September 19th. No further details about the escape have been released. On Monday, September 19th, two prisoners escaped from Kiowa County Jail in Hobart, Oklahoma. According to the county sheriff's office, the two prisoners escaped through a fire escape before jumping over a fence and running away. The pair of escapes were spotted in Hicks Mountain by local residents. Law enforcement searched the area following two additional reports alleging possible break-ins, leading to the recapture of both prisoners on September 23rd. Two prisoners escaped from Community Corrections Center, Omaha, on September 22nd. One prisoner turned himself in on September 26th. The other has not been rearrested. A coordinated work stoppage began on September 26th across prisons in Alabama. A representative for the prisoner support group, both sides of the walls, estimates that 80% of prisoners across Alabama are participating in the strike. 
While specific demands from prisoners vary, the strike aims to force a change in conditions within Alabama's prisons that have long been intolerable and inhumane. Quality of food, abuse of guards, and never-ending sentences are among the grievances. Interviewed by Unicorn Riot, a prisoner at the state's largest prison, Limestone Correctional Facility, said, quote, It makes no sense for us to continue to contribute to our own oppression. We finance our own incarceration through our free labor and spending every dime we get in the canteens and so forth. It is our money and our family's money that is used to keep us incarcerated and oppressed like this. End quote. Understaffing has been an ongoing issue within Alabama's prisons. Because of this, prisoners have been required to fill many facility support roles. The recent work stoppages are making a huge impact because now the Alabama Department of Corrections must attempt to fill those positions left vacant by striking prisoners. Unlivable conditions, overcrowding, understaffing, and abuse have been documented within Alabama state prisons for years by governmental and non-governmental entities. The strike is ongoing. According to a letter released by immigrant detainees being held at the Torrance County Detention Facility in Estancia, New Mexico, 12 detainees have launched a hunger strike as of September 26th. The hunger strike began in protest of poor conditions and mistreatment within the facility. In the letter, the detainees demand an end to immigrant detention at the facility. One of the men participating in the protest released a statement after the launch of the hunger strike. Quote, we came here to escape the violence, extortion, death, and injustices that we have suffered in our countries. But what we found was prison, mistreatment, and humiliation. No human being should be subjected to the conditions we now live in. The fact that we don't have basic necessities like water, food, safety, sanitary facilities, adequate medical attention, any show of human decency by guards, or the chance to talk to our loved ones, not to mention going outside or information in our languages about anything, especially about when it will ever end. Unquote. Torrance County Detention Center is operated by private company CoreCivic through a contract with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. The hunger strike is ongoing. As mentioned in our headlines, Alabama prisoners have been striking since September 26th. Prisoners at all 13 prisons in the Alabama Department of Corrections system went on labor strike, demanding improvement to conditions. We spoke with an inside organizer, Swift Justice, last week, and this week, two outside organizers share important updates about the ongoing struggle. Here they are. So we're so happy to be here today uh, with Diane Caldwell and with Nikki Davenport, who are going to give us a little bit of an update on what's been going on with the Alabama uh, prison strike, the general strike, the work stoppage that's been occurring in the Alabama prison system in the last two weeks. So thank you all so much for joining us today on KiteLine. Could you just talk to us a little bit about what this action is, um, where it emerged from, um, and what some of the demands are that are being made? So um, the guys on the inside are on strike. No one is going to work. On the outside, we're continuing to push the demands um, and do protests until, you know, our demands are met. As far as the demands, repeal the habitual offender law immediately, make the presumptive sentencing standards retroactive immediately, which would, you know, release 
um, the, a lot of people from prison and help with the overcrowding, or kill the drive-by killing statue, or drive-by shooting statue, create a statewide conviction integrity unit, mandatory parole criteria that will guarantee parole to all eligible persons who meet the criteria, streamline review process for medical furloughs and review of elderly incarcerated individuals for immediate release, reduction of the 30-year minimum for juvenile offenders to no more than 15 years before they are eligible for parole. The reason for the shutdown on the inside and the protests out here are the inhumane conditions. You know, the Department of Justice filed suit and there's been more deaths than before they filed suit in ADOC. Um, the living conditions are horrific. Their Eighth Amendment rights are still being violated. The overcrowding, the violence, all of that. We're in the second week of the strike right now. Roughly, you know, how many um, institutions are participating in the strike and r roughly how many citizens of Alabama behind bars are we, are we talking about being involved in, in the strike roughly? I do want to say that we are um, actually with the demands. Um, we are trying to get um, IGT, which is Institutional Good Time, instated for all parties that are eligible to return to society as well. We do have other demands. However, you know, those are the demands, main demands that we're presenting to them. But there are other um, outlying issues that we are still addressing as well. Excellent. Amazing. Yeah. And so maybe you know we could go back even a little bit further, which is just last week there was you, there was a big launch. You know the first day of the strike, there was a rally um, in Montgomery. A uh, number of groups came out. Maybe you could just say a couple of words just about what some of the you know just what the atmosphere was like at that at that event and the kickoff of the of the strike and the work stoppage. We started this the protesting of this movement on September the 26th. We had a, a great crowd, I think upwards to um, a little over 200 people came out. People are tired. We're tired of our loved ones being mistreated. We're tired of our loved ones, you know, being trampled over. We're tired of them, you know, working for, for nothing. We're tired of the DOJ not stepping and continuing to give the Department, Alabama Department of Corrections, a pat on their hands. You know, when are we going to intervene? We continue to say, okay, you know what? You've done this wrong. You've done that wrong. And you've done this wrong. But guess what? We're going to give you a little bit more time to fix those issues. When are we going to realize that we have human lives on the line, that we have people that are suffering, that we have people that want to come home to their families and give them, be given a fair chance. We're not saying just let them out. No, we understand that they have committed a crime. We understand that they need to serve their debt to society. But we also understand that everybody deserves a second chance. Kay Ivy pled to the state of Alabama, the citizens, for uh, forgiveness and a second chance when she was running her campaign for governor uh, because of the blackface challenge that she did in college. The citizens you know, gave her that forgiveness, gave her that chance to become governor. And she now has turned her back on the citizens. She will not even come and speak with us and see how we can get these people a second chance. 
these people have been deemed rehabilitated and, and, and have passed the assessment, have met the qualifications of the assessment for parole, and they're still being denied. She governs the parole board. She can talk to the director to see what the issues are. Cam Ward is the director. He is he used to be the head senator. He knows what's going on, and they still choose to do nothing, and the Department of Justice will not intervene. They continue to pat him on the hand and say, you know what, go try. We're going to give you a couple more years to fix this and lose hundreds more lives. We're going to continue to give you a second chance and give you until 2024 to fix the, the staffing, which is a huge issue because that's a security issue when you do not have enough offices in a facility to run a facility. How in the world can you keep up with thousands of inmates when you don't even have the offices in the queue? You have people dying and you don't even have people watching over them. This is supposed to be a secure environment. You cannot secure an environment when you don't have the proper security personnel. Absolutely, yeah. Everyone has seen the DOJ reports on the conditions in the Alabama prison system. Uh, we know how bad it is. We've seen the deaths, particularly at the Donaldson facility. Crisis situation, and I think that's what this action is pointing to, it seems like, is a crisis situation in which people are meeting the conditions for parole. They're not being allowed to come home. Um, and that's really where some of the, the anger and the impetus um, behind this action have, have, are coming from. Um, is, is it safe to say, or could you maybe just talk to us a little bit about how many different facilities are involved in the action and roughly how many prisoners we're, we're talking about? If, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is one of the largest prison work stoppages, prison strikes that we've seen in the last, um, it was definitely in the last five years in the United States. Absolutely. And I, I just want to go back to what you said about this being a crisis situation, because it is a crisis situation. Yeah, I, and, and, and what do we do in instance in most crisis situations? We call for intervention, right? We call for backup. We call for um, help. We call for people to come in and, and, and intervene and get in and remedy the situation or get it under control. Why are we not doing this for our incarcerated citizens? Is it because they're incarcerated? They're less human? Why aren't we calling for intervention? Why is the DOJ not intervening? That is my big question. Mm. And we are coming for the DOJ as well. If they do not do something, we're tired of body bags coming out. Mm. We're tired of people dying. They have came and they have said, okay, we see these things are happening. We see these things are wrong, but we are talking about human lives here. We don't have time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe one of the other pieces of background information that might be useful for people who aren't following what's been happening in Alabama closely is, is that after the DOJ report was released, um, that Alabama, state of Alabama approved the construction of two new prisons, which has become kind of their solution, organizers were successful in defeating that um, proposal at least once, um, but it has been pushed through and they've sold bonds in order to build two new prisons. But the, so that's their solution. However, the construction, even if we, you know, we don't agree or we disagree with that as, as, a, as, a, as a real solution or not, the construction of those facilities isn't going to start 
um, for a number of years. And so we're still dealing with these crisis conditions, as you're saying. Is that is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Well, they have actually started with the construction um, of the prisons. However, they're having issues with that and the funding and inflation. You know, the, the, the prices that they um, were actually quoted to build the prisons, you know, now they don't have that, that's not enough money for these people to buy the materials and supplies that they need to continue the construction. So they're having issues with that in the construction. But the whole point of that is, first of all, Alabama cannot build their self out of the crisis that they're, they're, they're in with the prison system. That's not mm-hmm. going to solve the, the issue of violating the Eighth Amendment rights. You know, that's not going to solve the issue. You know, you may say, okay, well, to solve the issue of overcrowding, but I still have a, an objection to that because you have hundreds of people in the county jail still waiting to be sent off to prison. Mm-hmm. So when are you going to house these people? They're mm-hmm. already overstaffed. You know, they're, they're, they're staffing them. I mean, they're housing them in, in, in old program dorms, these facilities. They're housing them in, in old trade schools, dorms. So right now, you have to relieve the overcrowding that you have in the current prisons, plus house the people that you have in the county jails. So you're going to fill those prisons up rather rapidly that you're building, and you still have an overcrowding issue. But again, you can't build yourself out of these issues because you still have the violation of the rights, you still have the death, you still have the violence, you still have a number of issues that you have to address, and building prisons is not the solution to that, and it's not going to solve those issues. Go ahead, Nikki. I was going to say chaos is guaranteed that they'll operate at 150% capacity. So, I mean, they're already planning for those to be overcrowded as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Those new buildings are definitely not the solution to the situation. And really, you know, actions like we're witnessing today really seem to be not just necessary, but but really the, the only way forward is through inside outside organizing to put pressure on these, these governmental institutions. Just to, to try and ask the question, if, if I'm not mistaken, it is the vast majority of institutions in Alabama, carceral institutions or, or prisons right now, are being affected by the work stoppage. Is that correct? That's correct. And that would be, we're talking about th- thousands of prisoners not going to work. And so it's a very widespread work stoppage. Yes, they're being served two meals a day that, you know, wouldn't even have enough food for a toddler to be full. Um, so it's not meeting the nutritional guidelines, you know, for what they should be receiving, even if they are using the holiday and the weekend rotation schedule for the or meal plan to feed two meals a day and one be a sack lunch. They're still not meeting the number of calories they should be having. They're not doing laundry. So some and some of the guys, like in segregation, they haven't showered in weeks because they're not taking them to the shower. They're retaliating against them constantly. Yeah, could we talk a little bit more just about some of the forms of retaliation that people have been experiencing since the work stoppage has started? You know, the way they're feeding them, the way that they have them constantly on lockdown. You know, there's there's no movement. The way that they are talking to them, you know, and they're basically telling them, you know, <laughs> we're doing this because you guys aren't working. It's, it's not the job of the inmates to run the prison, you know, the operations of the, of the prison day to day, it's not the burden of the inmates because there is no contractual agreement. There is nothing in their sentencing that says they have to work. So the burden and the obligation is on the DOC, the state of Alabama, 
and the governor to make sure that these operations function whether or not the inmates work. And they're not supposed to retaliate against them because they choose not to work and they choose to utilize their First Amendment rights to peaceful process. Absolutely, yeah. And it seems like, at least in the last week, that the strike has finally been gaining some national attention. There were stories in Rolling Stone, multiple interviews. There was a piece in Labor Notes. And KIV, Governor KIV, was forced to address the strike. And one of the things she had to say is that she called the demands unreasonable. Could you maybe just talk to us a little bit about kind of what the reaction from your all's point of view is to KIV calling these demands unreasonable? Yes. And let me let me go back and say this, too. We do have a guideline to follow concerning, you know, how these incarcerated citizens are fed. There was a ruling um, in 1976, Hugh James versus Locke, and it says that they are supposed to have three balanced meals per day on place with utensils. So they are violating the law by the way they're feeding them. And Holiday schedules are for just that, holiday schedules. You're not supposed to enact that because you don't have the proper staffing to um, feed these people or you don't choose to feed them. So but it's up to them to hire someone outside to come in and do it or they need to figure out a way to do their job. They cannot put the burden on the um, incarcerated citizens and then punish them for not doing so. But to answer your next question, Governor Ivey, have not even sat down to address us concerning the proposal of the demands that we have. So how can you call something unreasonable and you have not even sat down to see where we're coming from with the demands? You haven't had a conversation with us. You have not tried to have a conversation with us. You cannot call something unreasonable that you have not sat down to address. seems like just a, a really defensive action on the governor's part. I know one of the big pieces of retaliation um, that there's been a lot of coverage of and a lot of discussion of has been um, the placing of kinetic justice in solitary. And also, he, I believe that he was assaulted last week. Is there, do we have any kind of update on what's been going on with kinetic? So he was assaulted by this, the um, riot team and placed in segregation. And he was told that the captain wanted to, to speak with him, but the captain ended up coming a few days after he was placed in segregation. Um, they ended up giving him five disciplinaries. They gave him one for disobeying a direct order, assault on ADOC, causing others to stop work, inciting a riot, and gathering in a threatening or intimidating manner. So even though they assaulted him and everything was peaceful and nonviolent, those are the charges they brought up against him, which will have him facing, you know, a long period of time um, in segregation, as well as, you know, he loses visitation with his family and everything else. And right now they've also taken his tablet from him. They turned his pen off so he can't contact his attorneys or anyone else. And he has no way to communicate. That's so hard to hear. We're in the second week of the strike. Are there any updates from this week? Anything, you know, you kind of want to let people um, on the outside who are who are interested, who are following this story, just know about kind of where where things are at as we move from the second week into the third week? So we'll be doing a protest at the state capitol on October 14th at 9 a.m. And that is at 600 Dexter Avenue in Montgomery, Alabama, 36104. We are... Um, 
asking the nation to come out. You know, anyone that can come in and, and, and support, you don't have to have a loved one in Alabama. Just know that you have a loved one. You have a grandson. You have a granddaughter. You have children that are coming up into this world. And the U.S. has a bad problem with their prison system. So if you have any type of human decency in you, we just ask that you come out and support these guys because they are fighting for their lives. These men and women in Alabama are fighting. They are are, are giving everything that they have. You know, they see people leave these institutions and body bags every day, and they are crying out for help. And we are here to be their voice, and we're asking you to join forces with us to be the voice of not just Alabama, but the prison systems around the country, around the world. Absolutely. And just to reiterate, that'll be on October the 14th. Anyone has any questions, they can reach us by email at contact at both sides of the wall.com. Again, that is contact at both sides of the wall.com, or they can locate us on the website at www.both sides of the wall.com. We also have a Facebook page, both sides of the wall.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, maybe just one kind of one last question. I'm kind of would love to hear what you all think. How would you kind of describe, you know, may the morale of where people are at? People are not being fed a lot. I can imagine that's probably been pretty difficult. Although, you know, I've seen some pretty inspiring videos online this week of prisoners demonstrating solidarity um, on the inside together. Um, where where would you kind of say some of the morale is at um, as we've you know kind of moved into the second and definitely much more difficult week of the of the strike for all the incarcerated mm-hmm. citizens on the inside? The guys are are hungry. They they are starving them out. Um, they're trying to starve them into submission. So they are hungry, but the spirits and the morale has been very high. They are determined to fight for their freedom. So they have been, you know, standing strong in that aspect. But we do hear a lot of people, you know, saying that they are very hungry. And I guess that's just one more reason why getting people out on the 14th, showing support for people on the inside, showing them that they're not alone. That's just one more reason why, you know, people's participation in that event on October 14th is absolutely critical. It's a great, would be a great way to show people on the inside that there's people on the outside who are following what's going on and we're standing alongside of them. Absolutely. Wonderful. So just um, to reiterate one more time, that'll be October the 14th. That's at 9 a.m. Montgomery, Alabama. It's 600 Dexter, which is the capital. And if people want to reach out and get into touch with you all, could you just give them one more time the email and the Facebook page? Sure. So you can find us on Facebook at both sides of the wall. You can also email us. The email address is contact at both sides of the wall.com or on the web at www.bothsidesofthewall.com. Awesome. Thank you all so much for taking time out. I know you are running, running, running. So thank you so much for taking time to be with us today here on KiteLine. As always, thanks to everyone who helped with the show. Thanks to Perilous Chronicle for the headlines. You can find out more about their project and research at perilouschronicle.com. We'll have links to related episodes in our show notes. 
Or you can check out our website, kitelineradio.org, to find out more about Alabama's ongoing strike. This has been KiteLine. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. After a brief hiatus, we're happy to report that our prisoner call-in phone line is back. Folks on the inside or their outside friends and supporters can call 765-343-6236 to record a message to be played on the air. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Thank you for listening.